It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by The Power Lodge, SCR Northern, Zealand Meats, Tracker Boating Center, Vimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Liveax Marine in Isle, SW Bait and Tackle, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Freedom Firearms, Newman Construction, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, Your Ice Castle Dealer in Pine River, Crow Wing Recycling, Canvas Tech, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, SPR Motorsports and Marine, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Brian Moon. And welcome into this week's show. We've got a lot to cover. We're going to talk a lot of pike fishing on this week's show. We'll also talk bass fishing. I'm sure muskies will start coming into the conversation. And we're going to talk a little bit about lead core tips as we head into August. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick off the show with our Lake and Field segment, as always, brought to you by Oars and Mine and Crosby. No matter if your goal is pike, trout, walleye, or bass, Oars and Mine gives you 10 different ways to get the bite. The next time you're in the Cuyuna area, Oars and Mine is a must-stop located on Highway 6 in Crosby. And we'll kick off the show, as we always do, with our local report. We bring in Ray Gildow with the Nisswa Guides League. And Ray always keeping us updated here on the immediate Brainerd Lakes area and also Lake Winnie, which is where we'll start and uh, up on Winnie, Ray, what are you hearing right now? Well, it's been uh, a walleye bite has still been very good there, Brian. And it's been a, a week of a lot of weather changes. We've had some storms coming through, a lot of humid, hot weather. And it seems like on Leech and Winnie, when we get those hot or humid days, it brings out those little black flies that bite people. And there's been a lot of complaints about black flies this week out on the lake. So I always tell people, if you're going to go out and fish during the daytime, wear white socks, because those little devils can make a hole in your skin. But the, the walleye bite has been good out on the humps, and it's been good in the midday time. Uh, it's not just evening bites. The evening bite is uh, pretty good yet. It's okay, trolling crankbaits, and um, working just at dusk, and that's been a pretty decent bite. And uh, the Probably the best depth in the midday for uh, Winnie right now is 22 to 26 feet. And I <clears throat> think that some of the reports that we've been getting from uh, high banks is that the uh, the best bait has been crawlers and on Lindy rigs or uh, jigs. So I think that's something that's still worth your while. If you're going to be up on leech, get out there and try it. It's been a pretty decent bite. There's also been an excellent panfish bite. And uh, that's back up in the bays, up in the north end, over on the northeast side. There's a real good bite of uh, sunfish, and they're ba- they're really nice size. The pike and the muskie bite has been slow. <clears throat> not a lot of reports of people catching them, and maybe there are just not a lot of pe- people fishing them right now. But uh, right now, for the most part, the walleye bite's been good, the, the panfish bite's been good, and if you're up that area, check it out. High Banks Resort, they still have a couple openings left in July, and uh, it's a great some great folks to spend some time with, and I think you'll learn to love that lake. <clears throat> Jumping down to the Brainerd area, it's been a very good bass bite uh, on most days. There's always some days when the weather comes in and affects things. Uh, it's surprising. You know, a lot of times in the afternoons when there's no sun, or when rather there's no clouds and it's a high sun, we associate that as being a pretty tough bite. And some of those afternoons have proven to be that way. But uh, for the most part, it's been a pretty good bite. Um, and I, I would say a couple things to try if you are a bass angler. Uh, don't overlook the shallow water. 
go into that two to three feet of water and try some plastic frogs. You will be amazed all the way till one, two o'clock in the afternoon. There are some really wonderful sized bass laying up in a foot and a half to two and a half feet of water. And one of the biggest mistakes people make when they first start fishing with plastic frogs is they'll throw those frogs up along the shoreline, and as soon as they get a hit, they set their hook. It's really important when you're fishing with frogs is to get the hit and let them grab it and turn with it, then set that hook, and you're going to catch a lot more of those fish. Then uh, move out if you don't have any luck in that shallow water. Move out into the edge of the, of the vegetation in that 8 to 9 to 10, 11, 12 feet of water, and a couple of my guide buddies who have been fishing the last few days have found that the bass bite has been really good. As we talked about last week, that vegetation is greening up, and that green vegetation has oxygen in it, and it's holding prey in there, and that's where those bass are hanging out. And if you don't have any luck in that 8 to 12 foot of water, <clears throat> don't be afraid to move your rig, your boat back off the edge and work that deeper water all the way down to 25 to 28 feet of water. That's uh, something that's very, very effective. So if you're, if you're starting, I would always say start shallow and then work your way deep and see what you can come up with. Uh, there's also an excellent panfish bite in the area, you know, the bay, the highway bay for uh, 371 on North Long, and uh, Gall Lake has got a good panfish bite going on right now. Uh, so does Pelican, and so does the whitefish chain. So if you're into sunnies, uh, I would say get out there and try it. Uh, 8 to 10 to 11 feet of water uh, using wax worms or using artificials, whatever you want to use. Uh, you can cast little tiny jigs or you can just fish them under bobbers. But this is the time of the year that it really is fun to catch those panfish. And then uh, a pike, I would say for the most part, uh, the pike reports have been a little slim. And maybe it's just because I'm not hearing that many people uh, fishing for them right now. Uh, but it's the time of the year when the water is heating up now, and those pike, like the bigger pike, like the deeper water, unless you're on a lake like Mille Lacs where the deep water uh, isn't as uh, available as it is on some of our Brainerd area lakes. But uh, start working off a little deeper water, uh, trolling uh, jigs, uh, and slow trolling with uh, uh, plastic uh, baits or swim baits. Get down into that little deeper water, and I think you'll find yourself some nice pike at this time of the year. And then just uh, talking briefly about the walleye, uh, this I would say it's fair to say that year in and year out, uh, from about the 4th of July until about the third week of August, it's a challenging time to catch walleye pike. And that's partially because there is so much bait in the, in the lakes right now. They're just full of food. Flies and bugs and crayfish, young perch, young minnows, and even reptiles. And so there's so much competition out there that it's really a challenge to go out and to entice something that's just stuffed full of food to bite something else again. And on a couple of our lakes, we've had some pretty nice little mayfly hatches here in the last week. So there's a lot of food for them out there. So I think this time of the year, my recommendation would be to start pulling some crank uh, spinner baits rather, and crankbaits too. Um, but spinner baits are a great way to start covering ground, looking for more active fish, and to uh, see if you can find areas where you find fish. And then when you do find them, sometimes with spinner baits, you can go back into those little clusters of fish or those little walleye clusters and work them over with live bait jigs. Uh, but pulling spinners now, covering ground is very effective. And one of the things that 
is frustrating, I think, to a lot of people about the Brainerd Lakes area is that our lakes have so much structure. Uh, if you go to Mille Lacs or if you go to Leach or if you go to Cass and Winnie, you have these expansive flats, sometimes miles, of, of the water is at the same depth. <clears throat> well, if you go to the north end of Gall Lake, it's a more challenging issue to find a flat area where you can pull crank uh, baits or you can pull spinner baits and sort of be at the same depth. But I think it's really important that to, to try to find those those flats. And there are flats in almost all of our lakes. You just got to go out and look at the lake and learn them. And you'll be much more successful, in my opinion, pulling along those flats where the water depth is about the same, as opposed to be just pulling spinners. One time you're in nine feet of water, and the next minute you're in 85 feet of water. You're not going to be as successful doing it that way as you are finding some standard depths and then working those over, pulling those uh, spinner baits with bottom bouncers or just with small weights. And uh, you're going to catch everything. You'll catch pike, you'll catch bass, you'll catch panfish, and you'll catch walleyes. Do it working that over. So I think for the most part, um, it's the challenging time of the year in the lakes area for ba- for walleyes, rather. The bass, panfish, and fishing has been very, very good. And I, I, I worked on my uh, articles this week, Brian, and I write for newspapers. And I, I was just thinking about how, um, how negative... Uh, things have gotten, and I, and I want to wrap, wrap up uh, the Brainerd Outdoor Show Day with some positive things, but before I do that, I would just like to feature a little bit about one more lake that's in our area that's a kind of a, a, a little gem that sits right south of Nisswa, and that's Round Lake. It's five miles south of Nisswa on 371. It's a, It's got about 51 foot of maximum depth. There's only one concrete ramp on the lake, and that's on the south side. And it only holds 12 boats, and uh, there's only six miles of shoreline on this little lake. But Round Lake is a pretty cool little lake. It's got some very, very nice bass. Uh, It has some very nice walleyes in it and some very nice pike. And if I'm not mistaken, last fall, I believe that the DNR stocked about 9,500 fingerlings in Round Lake. So another year, a year and a half, uh, those fingerlings, if they can make it to... uh, that 14, 15-inch range, there should be some pretty decent fishing there. But it's a nice little lake. It, it, does, it does get a fair amount of pressure. There's quite a bit of uh, development on the lake, but it does hold some real treasures, some beautiful bass in there. There's a lot of structure, a lot of vegetation for fish to hide in. So, you know, it's not getting fished out. And then just to close up um, uh, the, the show for me, uh, as I mentioned, I was talking about the, the things that we should be thankful for in Minnesota. We have uh, tribal politics now and so many negative things going on. I just looked up at some of the things that we should really be thankful for in this state, and here are a few of the outdoor things that I think are just remarkable. We have 67 state parks, nine recreating areas, nine state waysides, 23 state trails for a total of 267,000 acres outdoors. And Minnesota is the home of five national parks and over 42 million acres of state forests. And we have over 11,842 lakes of over 10 acres in size and some of the cleanest water in North America. And as we go into this weekend, let's just count our blessings that we live in such a great state. Couldn't agree more on that, Ray. I mean, <laughs> there really is no reason why you know somebody should not get outside and do things because we have so many, like you said, things available to us. 
It's absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, you go to some of the states in the southwest and you can't see a tree for 500 miles. We are just really so lucky here. One last thing, Ray, I did want to ask you, and I did have a listener uh, ask me about here uh, earlier this week, uh, and I, I don't know if you talk to a lot of anglers that are doing the night bite out there uh, on the lakes, but uh, are you hearing anything about a night bite out any of our area lakes here? No, I haven't. I haven't really been tuned into the evening bites. I've just been hearing uh, folks are picking up uh, walleyes crankbaiting just before dark. But after dark, I I don't have any uh, information this week regarding what's happening there. There you go. That's Ray Gildow, Nisswa Guides League. You can check him out at com, com, and all over social media as well. I appreciate it, buddy. Good stuff as always, and uh, we will talk to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Brian. Talk to you next week. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And back with us in studio, we have not talked to her in a couple of weeks, and I figure now it's time, and that is Mandy Urich. Mandy is a contributor here to Brainerd Outdoors and a good friend of the show. we got a lot of stuff we're going to talk to Mandy about. Obviously, bass fishing, Mandy, we'll get into that. One thing, though, I wanted to talk to you about. First of all, welcome back. Hey, it's great to be back. I kind of missed you guys. I, I felt like something was really missing this last couple of weeks, and I guess it was coming here and seeing you guys. I know, so I appreciate you coming back. Uh, it's just been busy. and I mean, we've been busy. You've been busy. Uh, one thing you and I were talking about off-air before we came on, uh, and obviously we'll get to bass fishing with you here in just a bit, but Northern Pike... Um, that is something we haven't really talked about, you know, with a lot of the guys here on the show. I mean, Ray just touched on it earlier in the show, how the pike fishing has been pretty good. You've got a completely different perspective on that from bass fishing. You have seen not only pike biting, the quality and size of pike that's really surprised you for this time of year. I'm mind blown, honestly. Between the Cross Lake chain and the Gull Lake chain, I've seen more fish over 40 inches taken in the last week. Where they're being taken is where it blows my mind. These are weed line fish. Normally, when the water temp goes up, big pike go, they go deep. You know, you got to be in that 20 plus foot range normally you know they're out there they're changing uh, chasing their forage and they're not it, it's and it's not just a phenomenon that's happening here on gull it's you know when the same thing's happening on cross and it's multiple big big pike great quality pike coming out it's fun i mean because you never know what you're going to catch on that weed line so you could be out there bass fishing or walleye fishing or pike fishing and you know there you go you got a 40 plus inch fish <laughs> when we talked with ray last segment we talked about gall lake a little bit and with walleye perspective and about how invasive species have, have really changed how people fish the lake do you think maybe that has something to do with it and why these pike are still so shallow or do you think maybe that has nothing to do with it at all no i, I think it does absolutely you know we talk when invasive species come in water quality changes uh the clarity changes it really changes everything on how you're going to fish it so gulls predominantly getting clearer and clearer and clearer. Where those fish used to be able to dive to that 20, 25-foot range, it would be deep enough because the clarity was just a little bit low enough where it was cutting out that sunlight, you know, at that depth of water. Now it's so clear that at 20 feet, like, they don't have that protection from the sun. So what are they going to do? They're either going to go where they can find the cover, which is back up into the weed line, or they're going to continue to, you know, push out a little bit deeper. And the problem with that, with them pushing out a little bit deeper you're going to start seeing some stratification in the lakes with oxygen, things like that. So 
Yeah, everything's in the weed line. Well, it's amazing, too. I mean, you were saying this is like a year like none other in which, I mean, trying to pre-fish for tournaments, which you fish a ton, you fish league. Boy, I tell you, it's got to be tough for you because you're basically just throwing a dart at a dartboard and hoping that you're right. Absolutely. <laughs> it is. We're before, you know, like I always say I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pattern person, but I always kind of have an idea. OK, I'm going to start here. This will tell me if I need to do B or C based on this spot or this location will tell me where the fish are at. And now it's just like, well, which random weed line are they going to be on? You're driving around with your graph looking for specifics in a weed line, which is already hard to tell. So, you know, is it the thick coontail? Is it the thick cabbage? Is it is it hay grass that they want to be in? So that's now the portion of the puzzle that we're, we're figuring out. And once you do figure it out, then you're like, it's kind of hard in a, in a thick weed line to, right. to decipher what is what, honestly, <laughs> if you can't see it, you know, sure. if it's a deep weed line. So, yeah, it kind of gets to, to be a little bit of a crapshoot. I'd imagine. So, and a lot of the you know, leagues and tournaments you fish are multi-species, too. Correct. So you're probably picking a lot of these, you know, fish up on, you know, various presentations. Yeah. And, and that's the crazy part. We can go, you can go to a flat right now. Like, let's say an eight to 10 foot flat that's got cabbage. It doesn't even need to be uber great cabbage, but good cabbage on it. And you, I've seen walleyes picked up on chatterbaits. I've seen bass picked up on bobbers. Wow. And I've seen pike picked up on jigs and all off the same spot, you know? <laughs> and I'm just like, my head's just kind of spinning going, oh, I can't keep up with this seriously. But it's awesome because it is showing us that um, for the people that aren't super in-depth with their grass or don't know a lot of spots on the lake or aren't really good structure fishermen, this is the year for you guys. Like, pick a good weed line. Pick it, if it's cabbage or coontail or whatever and, and sit on it because the fish are there. For us, like on leagues, things like that, it, it's been hard because those slot fish were kind of our bread and butter. So the beginning of the year, we weren't seeing a lot of big pike or heavy bags brought in because you had to have that one that was over 26, mm -hmm. you know? So for all of a sudden, that's kind of like thrown out and we're seeing these really, which they're all catch and release. I just want to clarify that, sure. so, which is awesome. But And the walleyes too, we mentioned too, you, when I, you and I were talking before we went on, some of these walleyes, I, I don't think they've ever left shallow water since opener. I honestly believe I don't think they do. I, I, I agree with you 110% because why would they? Why would they have to leave when the forage base is so good where they're at right now? And same thing, you know, unless they're going to slide out into that, you know, 30, 40, 50 feet of water, which that's totally dependent on what that main forage is and what depth and where those bait balls are roaming at. There's a good supply of stuff right there in that weed line and they've got the protection. Yeah, I've seen more fish come out of six feet of water this year than any other year for, for big walleye. So in the last six and a half minutes that you and I would talk, if you would summarize maybe shallow vegetation would be the best way to go. Yes, absolutely. There you go. Uh, rivers. We haven't talked about the river much this year. You and I both are fans of fishing the river. You got me started on it uh, a couple of years ago. Now I'm just kind of a hooked on a river fisherman. But things got a little muddy there for a little while. And we got a lot of rain, but um, things have cleared up a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago when we were just getting hammered with all that rain, obviously the influx of, of flow through there stirs it up. They get turbid. They get muddy. The flow is high. The current's ripping. With that being said, so now it's fallen, right? The waters have come back down. Uh, clarity's starting to improve a little bit, which obviously with the Mississippi, it never really gets great. But you should at least have a couple feet of water clarity. Um, I call good 
for, for that because it is a turbid body of water naturally crowing. Uh, depending on where you're at, you can have some really good water clarity, you know, four or five feet with it. So so what happens, I mean, myself being, a, you know, not an experienced angler, that's putting it lightly, um, but high level water to low level. And when things fluctuate like that, how does that affect fishing and how do anglers want to combat that? Oh, it can make it tough. You know, when that water really starts raging, um, those fish, even though they're river fish, they don't want to sit and buck the current constantly. That takes a lot of energy. And remember, big bass are fat because they're lazy. They, they, <laughs> I mean, they are. They want to retain as much energy as possible. So that water rises and, and you're on a river channel and say you're normally pitching the edge of that cane and they're just kind of backed into it, you know, waiting for something to float by and go out and snag it. I, I, I almost don't even fish any of that kind of stuff anymore. When when the water's high, I want good current breaks. So what I say is a good current break, if you got a bay or a little shell inlet that's off the side of there, that they can go into that mouth and get off of that current but still have, you know, good good forage, a good cover, things like that, that's a go-to. Wood. Wood is a go-to. An absolute. I don't care if you're on the crowing or the Mississippi or wherever you're at. Uh, wood is always a great structure and a good current break for them. If you are going to fish the rice uh, and that water levels come up, you got to go top water. So those fish are going to be still be sitting a little bit higher in that water column. So you know what I'm going to say, right? Oh, I do. <laughs> frog it, frog it, frog it. Yeah, don't be afraid to, to throw that that frog, you know, over the top of that rice. But the current breaks are, are really going to be the key on either river that you're at. Um, when the water falls and goes back down to a normal level and that current's, you know, kind of slowing down a little bit with that, then I'm all about the mats. Like if you can find a mat, a good, thick, ugly mat, a veg of whatever – uh, punch that mat, flip that map, uh, fish around the edge of that. those mats. Those are great. Reeds are break. There again, you can still fish those current breaks and they're going to be good too. But when that water level drops back to a normal level, you're going to see a lot of fish back out on that undercut line again where you can just kind of get on it and, and pitch your way down. So For that. Uh, Mandy Yurick. Mandy, people want more information on you. They can find it how? Oh, they can find me on Facebook or Instagram or if they can – Tune into one of our pod pa- many, podcasts. Many podcast <laughs> yeah. networks. We're everywhere on the podcast channels. Absolutely. <laughs> so check it out. Mandy, I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Uh, good luck out on the water. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you. Well, let's head out to Mille Lacs, get the story out there from Steve Sapaniak with Predator Guide Service. And Steve, we were just talking with Ray here earlier, and uh, he said, you know, things here in the Brainerd Lakes area a little sketchy and up on Winnie, but... You know, he briefly touched on the fact that Mille Lacs is going right now, no matter what you're going after, and uh, you can attest to that. Oh, definitely. Ray's absolutely right, Brian. Mille Lacs Lake is going good, and I mean real good. The walleye bite is fantastic. Smallmouth bite is decent, but the pike bite is good, and the muskies are starting to go. The air temperature stayed warm Sunday evening, and the bike just continues to get going good. So I really can't complain with what we have happening up there at all. You know, and the thing here with these warmer water temps, uh, the shallow bite is kind of turned down a little bit. When you get out of Mille Lacs, you, you know, it's, it's more of a flat you know, area out there, not a ton of structure. But if you get out in that main basin right now, Steve, is that where you'd have your best luck? Definitely. You can have a lot of fantastic luck out there on the graveyard, the gravel. You can have great luck on all the flats out there, seven, eight-mile, nine-mile flat. They're doing really good. In fact, I was guiding muskies the other day, and the boats were just stacked up over there on 
the mud flats out there, seven and eight mile, and you know as well as Sherman's flat has been doing fantastic, Brian. A lot of guys are uh, trolling Lindy rigs. A lot of guys are just bobber fishing. You know, it's a win-win situation for all. And uh, while we're uh, musky fishing, I'll be honest with everybody, we're still catching really nice-sized mus- uh, excuse me, walleyes on musky equipment in shallow water in the weeds. One of my guys who's a, uh, just an avid, avid listener to Brayden Outdoors, his name is Chris, with his brother Ryan and their other friend Chris. I had him in the boat the other day. And that's all they talked about was the walleye fishing, how phenomenal. We caught walleyes while we were musky fishing. And these guys, their first time, Brian, musky fishing, tied into two big pike up into the high teens. One of the gentlemen had a big, big muskie on. He lost. It was on a baby beaver. And the other couple guys, brothers, they had muskies following them. We had muskies up to 40 pounds going. It was exciting for everybody. These were first-time muskie fishermen. Like I said, they love listening to Brainerd Outdoors. And if these guys can have good luck, they were good fishermen, they caught on right away to uh, baitcasters, anyone can. It's well worth it. But, hey, it was exciting, Brian. We had a great time. And as we know, Malax right now, a very, very, very uh, uh, popular lake for bass fishing and everything like that. And one thing that a lot of people are talking about with bass fishing right now is topwater frogs. If you want to go musky fishing or for these pike, Steve, do you want something more topwater? We had top water going the other day. You know, the other day we didn't have nothing on top water, but uh, three days before then we lost a nice muskie on top water. They've been chasing top water. It's pretty good. Pike, on the other hand, Brian, aren't really, you know, subject to hitting top water. We have taken maybe, I would be honest with you, a dozen in all the 30-some years of, you know, uh, muskie fishing and muskie guiding 38 years. We've taken about a half a dozen pike on top water. doesn't mean they're not going to hit it more often. But we've had real good luck with glide baits and baits like the baby beaver, the phantom lure, and uh, spinner baits like the rad dog has been really good producers too. And, you know, we talked a little bit about walleyes as well, Steve, and you, and you said, uh, you know, maybe you know, bobber fishing is not for everybody out there, but that might be the best tactic. Definitely. You know, the, the, the trick is when uh, fishing in Mille Lacs Lake, you know, everybody's got their own methods. Here's my method for Lindy Riggin. Touch bottom with that sinker and barely lift up with your wrist three inches. Look at it this way, folks. If you don't lift up, you're dragging that sinker through the mud or the gravel. You're causing a dust cloud, a dust cloud that when your leech comes through or your crawler, no walleye sees it. So if you touch bottom briefly, then lift up a few inches, you have a clean presentation. I tell everybody in my boat, Brian, I want you to touch bottom every 30 seconds to a minute. Maybe I forgot to tell you, we got another foot deeper. But as soon as you touch bottom and lift up, you cause a little puff of dirt or dust, and you cause a little bit of noise. And any walleye in the area will scoot over to see what that noise was and that little puff of uh, dust. And here comes a clean presentation, whether it be a leech or a nightcrawler, and it's perfect for them. It's a win-win situation. You know, this is kind of an odd time of the year for panfish, Steve, but, uh, you know, people shouldn't sleep on that as well. It's odd. I mean, you and I were talking off here. It's just incredible. The bite is still going so strong. I'm just surprised as heck, to be honest with you. I'm happy. But one thing that sort of got, has me curious, and you, like I said, you and I talked about it just a little bit ago, a lot of these bluegills still got eggs in them. I'm not really quite following or understanding this one. I know we had a late spring. Uh, I hope they're being able to uh, drop them and everything and they get fertilized, but I'm afraid we might be seeing a lot of eggs being dropped into the deep without being fertilized, which panfish will do. So uh, we may have a shy year class here coming up. I hope not. So if people want to go after those, those Steve, uh, those smaller lakes around Mille Lacs would probably be the best place to go? They would be. Right now, you know, you're looking at, <laughs> excuse me, Shakopee is going to be pretty well weed-choked. 
but you got Borden, you got Smith, you got Ripple Lake around the north end of Mille Lacs Lake, you got Farm Island, you've got uh, Camp Lake, which is a really good panfish lake too in that area, and Smith Lake. So what you want to do is you want to fish the edge of the weeds, the edge of the cabbage weeds where the drop-offs are early in the morning, later in the evening. That's where you're going to find all of your big uh, bluegills and all of your nice-sized crappies is on the edge of these weeds. You know, I would go with a very small presentation, something that looks like a little nymph or a little fly with a piece of waxworm, a piece of leech, or a piece of crawler. You know, and fish down there, get down there deep enough to them right away. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Some of the biggest panfish we got last summer was during the dog days of August. I was fishing with a good uh, brother-in-law of mine in, uh, <laughs> I hate to say it, <laughs> excuse me, in about 8 feet of water to 12 feet of water, we just killed the bluegills. It was a good time. Hmm. Sounds something to check out. Steve Spaniak, Predator Guide Service. Check him out, predatorguideservice.com. I appreciate the info. As always, buddy, we will chat with Nick, with you uh, next week. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Lakes Area Flood and Fire are your local flood, fire, and mold restoration specialists in the Lakes Area. From the ground up, they want to protect your investment and the health of you and your home or business. Instead of simply fixing the symptoms, they dig down to the root of the cause so it doesn't happen again. Their staff is IICRC certified and has an impressive track record of successful remediation projects and flood dryouts. Lakes Area Flood and Fire, providing services that help keep your home and family safe. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, and a special treat this week. I kind of stumbled across an article written by Joel Nelson with Joel Nelson Outdoors, uh, talking a lot about lead core fishing, and I know we have a lot of listeners that have asked me, you know, what's that all about? It's not something I really do that much. So I thought maybe we'd get a little tutorial on it, and uh, Joel, once again, thanks for joining us here on Brainerd Outdoors. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, lead core is something I do a fair amount of, so it's... Uh Topic near and dear to my heart as well. Absolutely. So we'll get into it here. But before we do that, Joel, maybe a little background on you for those that aren't familiar with you being you're new to the show. Um, you spent a lot of time down in southern Minnesota, but you also spent a lot of time up here in the northern part of the state. Yeah, yes, I do. I, I do travel quite a bit to fish. Uh, you know, I live in between t- the Twin Cities and Rochester. So traditionally, I've, I've fished a lot of the areas around pools two, three, and four of the Mississippi River and a lot of south central Minnesota lakes. But uh, you know, definitely Minnesota's big walleye factories I've spent a good amount of time on, Lake of the Woods, and then certain fisheries, uh, you know, in the Dakotas as well as Wisconsin. So it's it's cool because lead core is something that uh, I've been able to do in a lot of different places, even for different species, and seems to work well in a lot of different locales. Yeah, that's for sure, and that's what I think would make for a very interesting topic this week because, as you mentioned, a lot of those places that you fish, you can take those lead core tactics to places like Gull Lake and places like Mille Lacs and, and Winnie and Leach and have some success. Ab- absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it's so- something that I do a fair amount whenever I see fish scattered. So, you know, if I see fish scattered and they're deep and they're harder to get to and I really want to cover water, it's, it's really a bread-and-butter technique for July and August. So if those that are maybe, you know, fairly new to fishing or, or just don't get out as much as they'd like to, when we say lead core, what are we talking about? You know, lead core uh, really centers around the line itself, which is just a uh, kind of a braided sheathed line. And inside of that braided uh, braided sheath, there is a single uh, core of lead. It's just a long piece of lead. And what that does is it 
Uh, it's very simple. It sinks the line and puts the baits in the zone. And, you know, it, it involves a little bit of specialized tackle, and that's the part I think that's scary to a lot of people, but it, it's really not that intimidating. The, you know, the first time you, you'll pull it out, it, it, it seems a little bit awkward. It doesn't come off the reel like a normal braid would. You're using larger bait caster reels with line counters um, and some specialized rods to kind of handle the weight of both the line and, and the fish that you'll be reeling in and the weight of the crankbaits that you're pulling. But uh, once you get a lead core set up and it's ready, readily available in a lot of different retailers, they'll help you out. They'll, they'll help pair everything up. Once you get it out and start dragging it around, you, you'll really start to realize that it's not all that complex. And is it fairly cost-effective? Yeah, I mean, it's something where uh, you can spend a lot of money on crankbaits and you can spend a lot of a lot of time and effort trying to get down to fish in other ways. But once you have, uh, you know, a, a lead core setup and you don't need to spend a ton of money, I mean, literally you can spend under $100. I'd, I'd recommend getting two. So for under 200 bucks, you can take your existing lineup of crankbaits and really – double, triple, quadruple the effectiveness because you you know that you'll always be in the zone when fish start pushing past 15, maybe even 20 feet of water. The one place that I hear lead core being used the most here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area, Joel, is Malax. And yeah. reason for that is it because those fish can become so scattered out there? Ab- absolutely. You know, uh, crankbaits are the name of the game whenever you've got a summer bite where fish are active for the most part, right? They're metabolism is up, they are willing to chase baits around, but they're scattered throughout either the water column, as they are in Mille Lacs, right? They can be suspended all over the place, or they can be near bottom, but either way, you've got to get the baits down to the fish and, and in their zone. So at the end of the day, there's not a lot of techniques that both cover water and then also get to depth as well as does lead core. And how do colors play in? Uh, you know, colors of the lures or colors of the line? Both, actually. Oh, that's, that's a good question. You know, uh, lead core, it's interesting. The line is multicolored. Every 10 yards, you'll see color change, and that helps you, even without a line counter, if you didn't have one, to indicate how much line you have back to try and recreate those sink rates. Let's say you catch a fish with five colors out. Well, you know that you need to go back to five colors if you're trolling the same depth along a break. Um, Colors in response to the crankbaits uh, play a huge role, especially in Mille Lacs, like you talked about on bright sunny days, those chromes in the clear water, those those brighter colors that have a little bit of sheen off of them, and UV as well can be super effective. And then in some of the darker stained or murkier waters, I, I like really bright colors, not, not, not with the chrome, but, uh, you know, the fluorescent oranges and so on and so forth. So colors, and they can play a huge role. And as far as when you're trolling, I mean, does it, it compared to crankbait fishing, uh, Joel, do you want to maybe slow it down a little bit when you're with lead core, or does that not matter either? So lead core is, is an interesting, <laughs> it's unlike any other line you'll pull because there's going to be a big bow in it. That weight uh, creates a bow, and as you speed up, you can, you can actually change the, uh, the depth of dive, and if you slow down, you could change the depth of dive. Now, rather than give you general rules on what makes it go up or go down, I think really the simplest thing is for people to get out there, drag it around, focus on keeping your boat at the same speed, maybe start at like 2.2 to 2.4 miles an hour, and let out line till you hit bottom. 
um, then experiment. Speed up, slow down, see what it does, see, see if you're dragging into the bottom. Uh, there is nothing uh, better with lead core than that positive reinforcement of, oh, oh, hey, I'm, I can see my rod tip's bouncing, I'm banging my bait on bottom. That, that to me, is the best test and best way for people to get out there and really gain confidence in the technique. So a couple of other questions with you, Joel. Uh, once again, talking with Joel Nelson with Joel Nelson Outdoors, and we're talking the ins and outs of uh, lead core fishing. And I, I'm a relative rookie at this, Joel, so these may be silly questions, but I really kind of wanted to get do's and don'ts on structure. And a lot of different we, – we're dealing now here in Minnesota with lakes that are changing with invasive species like Cass Lake and even right here in our own backyard with Gull Lake. They're becoming very clear now. Uh, some lakes this time of year you start to get a little bit on the green side. With lead core, how does that affect whether you're fishing a lake that's, that's fairly clear compared to something a little murky? You know, when it, when it comes to lead core, uh, a lot of these fish are heading deep uh, regardless of the color of the lake, especially if it's clear, though. Those, those fish are, are heading to depth to, to you know, to, to seek out some solitude. Um, in some of the greener lakes, they're often heading to depth because of temperature gradients. So... So a lot of times, uh, depending on where you're fishing, you're going to be in excess of 25 feet of water. Once you get past that 35 foot of water, keep in mind, you've got to be careful. The fish that you're catching, if you are down that far, right on bottom, are probably going to die because of barotrauma. So keep that in mind as you're fishing and just, just plan on keeping those fish. You know, don't, don't try and release them. And once you've reached a limit, if that's what you're after, um, Make sure you're done for the day. So keep that in mind any any time you're pulling the depths with lead core. Rock, sand, mud, uh, do that, does that matter at all either? To me, not as much, except for lead core is not a great technique around heavy rock. Uh, rock piles, boulders, sharp, precise turns, that's not what this technique is all about. Yeah, unless you're a precision troller and you know exactly what depth that that bait is pulling with the right amount of line out and so on and so forth, it's pretty tough to recreate precision trolling runs. So the idea with lead core is you're looking for big, broad areas of similar depth, a lot of times sand. Sometimes it's a big mud basin, and it's just going to be in 28 feet of water, and it stays 28 feet for a long run. Those are uh, kind of money uh kind of money lead core runs because you'll see fish on the graph they're spread out and you want to continue your troll for miles preferably if you can along these pods of fish Um, if you see fish in in tighter groups in smaller schools that may be a different technique you know like jigging wrapping on them or dropping jigs and minnows or you know any other kind of a more precision technique even live bait rigging right on them is going to be more productive than is lead core lead core for substrate though so often is sand and mud. And one last thing, Joel, for maybe somebody that's listening going, yeah, I want to try this lead core technique, and they're a relative rookie at it. What are some of the biggest mistakes that anglers make with lead core? I think some of the biggest mistakes are um, when they're letting line out. If you let it out too fast, you're going you're to make a, a jumbled knot. Um, if you're not careful of the spread of your rods and making sure that your turns aren't, uh, you know, if you, if you start making sharp turns, you can tangle it. Lead core, when it tangles, is an absolute mess. So you want to avoid your, boi- your, your baits bouncing off of bottom too much. Just ticking the bottom occasionally is okay. But if your baits are dragging and banging, they can start to roll, and they can actually roll into the other lead core setup. 
and uh, I have seen some haystacks of flint <laughs> <laughs> core line, and it's it's not the cheapest stuff in the world. So you want to make sure and take care of your lead core. Keep your baits running just above bottom. Watch for those baits banging off bottom, and just just treat it a little more carefully. You have to be uh, a little more purposeful with the way you let out line and how you reel it in and, and all that good stuff to make sure that uh, one spool of line will, will last you for years. There you go. That's Joel Nelson uh, with Joel Nelson Outdoors. Joel, if people want more information on you, how can they find it? Well, they can always go to my website, uh, joelnelsonoutdoors.com. Uh, I've got an Ask Me Anything section there. If uh, you've got a question, uh, I'd love to highlight it uh, and answer it uh, for you and everybody else. Chances are if you've got a question, uh, a lot of other people do too, and sometimes I, I don't know everything by any means, so I have to research it too. So uh, drop me a line there, and uh, we can learn together. It's pretty good cool videos on there too. As a matter of fact, I learned that Joel's also an avid turkey hunter like myself, so you can catch <laughs> on some pretty cool stuff there too. Topics for another day because, man, that turkey thing, that's addictive. Yeah, so you and I come spring, we're going to have to talk again, that's for sure. I like it. That, that sounds great. That's Joel Nelson, Joel Nelson Outdoors. Joel, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Great to have you on the show this week, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking here down the line, okay? Yeah, thanks so much, and good luck fishing. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Rapaway Marine and Sport is your full-service marine repair facility along with repair and service of ATVs, side-by-sides, and snowmobiles. All service work is performed by a factory-trained professional with years of experience. Rapaway Marine and Sport will get your recreational vehicle back up and running in no time with trusted service and timely return. Find Rapaway Marine and Sport on Facebook for weekly updates. Rapaway Marine and Sport, located just south of Staples on County Road 7. Rapaway Marine and Sport. 